Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. We've now been on air for 10 and a half years every week, and we appreciate you uh, listening and sharing the show. Well, this segment is brought to you by Core.Green. You can kill 99% of COVID in your facilities in 10 minutes, and uh, it won't break the budget. Visit Core.Green. Well, today we're going to talk about a uh, subject that's on a lot of people's mind uh, because of COVID, and that is senior housing. You know, really what has happened to senior housing? You know, some people have looked at it that I've talked to and said, boy, I'm really glad, uh, you know, my parents were in senior housing personally. And I've had people say, oh, gosh, I can't believe my people are in senior housing. It probably depends on which senior housing they're in, right? But what's happened is, the, is did vacancy go up because of the lack of tours? What about affordability? Can people really afford to go into these um, uh, senior housing facilities? Well, let's find out the facts. Please welcome my guest. It's Beth Mace. She's Chief Economist and Director of Capital Markets with NIC, National Investment Center for Senior Housing and Care. Beth, good to see you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Nice to be here. And uh, Beth, uh, if you will, just very quickly, because you know we have a very sophisticated audience, but self, um, senior housing kind of has some different pockets, right? Yeah, so the size of senior housing um, is about 3.1 million units, about 25,000 properties. If you were to um, value it, investment-grade properties would be about uh, $500 billion. And we break senior housing down into a few categories based on the care and the services that are provided. So starting with the least needs intensive would be in, in independent living, which is essentially a residential like multifamily property plus hospitality, um, which might include some transportation or housekeeping or entertainment or concierge services. Then would be assisted living and assisted living would be everything I just described. So hospitality plus care services. So people um, in assisted living need help with activities of daily living. So they might need help with getting dressed or charring or, or maybe mobility issues. And then beyond that would be memory care. And that's for people that have um, Alzheimer's or other types of, of uh, memory impaired um, uh, uh, situations. And then above all that is skilled nursing. And skilled nursing is exactly that. You require skilled nursing. <laughs> so those are the most uh, highly um, acute residents or patients that need a lot of care. Yeah. And I've seen some of these uh, projects that really encompass all of those on the same uh, site, right? Yeah. So that would be a, what's called a CCRC, a Continuing Care Retirement Community, or these days called Life Planning Communities, LPCs. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I guess everyone's curious, Beth, you know, how did senior housing uh, properties uh, fare uh, through COVID and, and where are they today? Here we are, you know, at the end of April 2021. Yeah, the COVID-19, it's, it's been rough on our sector, for sure. Um, unfortunately, the coronavirus really was most um, affected seniors and older people. And those are the very people that live in senior housing properties and skilled nursing properties. So we saw that. We saw the largest drop in occupancy, actually, in skilled nursing properties. It saw over a 12 percentage point decline from the first quarter of 2020 to the first quarter of 2021. So over 12 percentage points. That would be reflecting because, again, skilled nursing housed the most highly acute, most susceptible to the pandemic, the coronavirus. Following that was assisted living. In assisted living, we saw a drop in occupancy of about um, 
about what am I saying? Well, nine and a half percentage points, and then independent living. And independent living was about uh, seven or eight percentage points that it that it fell. But the pandemic has taken a toll on the overall industry in lots of ways. So as I just said, it was the occupancy declines, but it also, you know, it was very difficult for staff and very difficult to keep staff in place. Um, and, you know, you heard the phrase heroes a lot for those people who are working in skilled nursing and senior housing. That was in fact the case, that people were really dedicated to, to go to work, but there are some people that staff themselves may have gotten sick. So there was a lot of need to hire agency workers and that took a toll on expenses, as did requirements for testing, which had an impact on expenses, as did PPE. And you may remember at the beginning of the crisis, we didn't have any PPE, then we didn't have any testing. So the, so the crisis has just keep continually evolved. And most recently, while this isn't a crisis, it's still taken a lot of organizations, but the vaccine distribution and having vaccine clinics and, and property. So it's been a year of, of total change. <laughs> And operators have been, had to be really flexible and in, in, um, be able to shift to the various needs. And it's also been challenging because there's been such a, a patchwork of regulations at the federal level, at the state level, and in some cases at the more even local level than that. And the regulations change and have changed like overnight. And people have, and operators have to be responsive to that. So it's been, you know, and then of course we have the economic impact of the overall slowdown in the economy. Um, and it's it's been a tumultuous year. And I would say that, um, you know, now that we're in April, you know, 13 months after the pandemic started, we're starting to see some improvements. We're starting to see some more um, inquiries from potential residents to move in. But it's still, we're not totally out of the woods yet. It's still a challenge for the next uh, several months. Are most of the residents vaccinated at this point? Mm. In fact, we do a survey uh, for your listeners who might be interested. It's free. It's on our website, www.nick.org. It's called the Executive Survey Insights. We've done, run it every two weeks since last March. So it's a beautiful sort of time series um, to show what's happened over time. And we've changed the questions to reflect whatever the issues are at that point. And what we now have seen is um, that there has been some improvement in overall um, attitudes about seniors housing in terms of what operators are doing, and we are starting to see some uh, forward momentum. So the most of the tenants are vaccinated? Yeah, it was one of the questions in that is, in fact, vaccination. And I think 95% or so of the residents are vaccinated. Interestingly, it's not the same percentage for staff, though. There's still hesitancy at the staff level. Yeah, and, and that's curious. I wanted to ask you about that because um, we, we have a senior housing division and we've been uh, talking to some of the uh, clients about their properties and they said they're having trouble getting some staff to get vaccinated. And one of the clients said that only 50% of his staff is vaccinated. I found that curious. Is it, what are you seeing across the... the yeah, I, th I think um, it reflects that some staff is young and there's been some concerns among young childbearing age women about what the impact of the vaccination would have. There's been historically some concerns about how the how prior vaccines have been rolled out and not always effectively and um, haven't always proven to be a positive uh, result if you have a vaccine. So there's a lot of sort of concerns by staff about it. Now that said, some organizations are actually mandating staff, excuse me, mandating vaccines. And um, we've also seen a lot of, of the sort of the senior level of properties go out and demonstrate and show that they're having the vaccine and that they're still fine. Um, but it is it is an issue and it's it's definitely being acknowledged and worked on uh, trying to get more um, uh, staff vaccinated. 
So you said that the uh, assisted living occupancy is down about nine and a half percent from from a year before. What what vacancy is that? Was vacancy around five percent before? Well, we think of it as, as occupancy um, in our sector, so the inverse of, of the vacancy rate. And in the uh, first quarter of 2020, the occupancy for seniors housing was 78.8%. Um, so that's down from 87.5. Okay. And 87.5 is more of a normal occupancy? Yeah, probably in the, in the high 80s or yeah, um, low 90s. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so now you're members are seeing more tours they're seeing more tenants kind of come in they're, they're seeing their demand come back are they seeing any uh, increase in occupancy yet we haven't seen that yet at least by our statistics so our, our data comes out on a quarterly basis in general so we haven't seen it in the quarterly statistics we just released the first quarter so i would imagine by second quarter you'll start to see that but our weekly bi-weekly survey i'm referring to which is obviously at a higher frequency then is indicating that there's more leads there's more tours, property tours going on, more inquiries, and that there's a lag there, but that should translate into moving. Operators are definitely ready. <laughs> um, interestingly, you know, unlike some of the other industries, seniors housing never closed down. We right. were open. <laughs> we were right. open full time. So they're open today. They're ready. They're they're um, bringing in tours. They're they're talking to people to the degree they can. They still have to be mindful of COVID and wear masks and have hygiene, necessary hygiene and things like that. Um, but it's been, it had been tough, you know, if you brought a new resident in, you had to quarantine them for a while. Um, some of those restrictions now are changing because you're testing people or they've had the vaccine. So it's making it easier to bring new residents in. A big challenge was visitation, visitation with family members, because um, we keep in mind, if you go back a year ago, the biggest concern really was keeping people safe and not having them get uh, exposed to COVID, to the coronavirus. As time went on, I think the industry and all of us recognized that that came at a cost, and the cost of that was social social isolation. So you were leaving people in their rooms, or they weren't being visited by love by loved ones, and that took a toll, different but an equal toll. So in time, there were a lot of protocols that were developed to allow visitation, to allow family members to come in, and that certainly helped the industry as well. But it was tough. You know, six months ago, to want to, you know, suggest to your parent that they may want to go into senior housing if they were going to be quarantined or if they couldn't see you for, for you know, an unknown amount of time. That's shifted now, and so I think that there is pent up demand because of that. So we'll start to see the impact of that, I would think, in the coming months. Okay, and has the pandemic changed senior housing uh, for good? Is, is it's, what's what's the new normal in operations now? And, um, I think that the, um, from an operations point of view, um, certainly hygiene and sanitation are going to be much more top of mind. Um, I think we've seen different construction uh, shapes taking place as we go forward, different HVAC systems. I think you'll see areas of properties that can easily be uh, quartered off to keep uh, wings so you can keep a group of people safety. We've seen cohorts of staffing in residence so that um, whereas if I was a staff maybe pre-COVID maybe I served I don't know we'll say 20 residents so maybe now in the future maybe there'll be more intimacy with 10 residents so I think those types of protocols may stay in place so that's on the operational side 
Um, I also was really interesting to watch the collaboration that happened between lenders and equity providers and the operators themselves. And it was much more of a, you know, we're all in this together. And it proved, it's so far proven out to be pretty good because we haven't seen the amount of, of stressed assets that we had thought we would. We haven't seen the number of foreclosures that we had maybe anticipated. It might still be to come, but so far it hasn't. And because a lot of banks allowed um, and gave forbearance and, and extend, change, modified their loans to some degree. And that may have proved the success factor that changed this from even the, the great financial crisis when there wasn't that same sort of cooperation and collaboration between financial sources and the operators. Yeah. And we saw kind of a, um, a freeze, if you will, almost on, on sales of senior housing properties where investor, investors were kind of trepid and, and operators were just trying to keep things together. I uh, wasn't a lot of activity, but now we're seeing a, a lot more activity from investors and buyers looking to, to acquire properties. What are you guys seeing around the country? But we're st- definitely starting to see transaction volume increase. Um, and if you were selling during the pandemic, you knew you weren't going to get top dollar, right? right. <laughs> so you probably uh, held off as, as long as you could hold off. Um, uh, and so there was a disparity between the bid and ask price for, for um, any transactions. Now we're starting to see some more interest in that. Um, and investors, there's a lot of, um, for all real estate, there's a lot of dry powder on the sidelines. We have a lot of private equity money that's out there. And senior housing is still pretty compelling to from an investment point of view. So um, I would imagine that as 2021 continues to unfold, that we'll see more transaction volume. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of, of tailwinds. There's a lot of things that should benefit senior housing that I want to ask you about. But before we go there, uh, what are some things that uh, investors in the space uh, might be concerned about? Um, you know, there was a lot of negative headlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would say that's the, the headline risk. Um, and there, you know, were some bad players probably, and there were some um, situations that were unfortunate, but there were a lot of good players too, and a lot of situations that really probably didn't get exposed as much as they should have. Um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I, from my point of view and hearing the stories of operators, they went through amazing hoops and loops <laughs> to be able to get through and to make sure that their residents, their residents were at the top of mind and tried to keep them as safe as they could. And of course, this was a totally unknown we didn't even know how it was spread early on. So I think the headline risk is, is something that operators and their financial capital partners would still be concerned about. But I think that that will get behind us. Um, and um, I think that you will probably see a falling out of some operators that weren't as strong. So there's going to be some mergers and acquisitions opportunities probably as well that will need financing. Okay. And is staffing uh, an, an issue uh, for operators? Yeah, so I think last time you and I talked, which would have been pre-COVID, staffing was an issue. Um, and at that point in March of 2020, the unemployment rate was three and a half percent. So it was tough, not just for senior housing, it was tough for all industry sectors. Now, fast forward, the unemployment rate is six percent. It had peaked at about 14 percent last April. Um, but that hasn't really helped the staffing issue to the degree that you would have thought. The fact that there's more workers available out there because it's a t- it, they're tough jobs. To, to, to do. So staffing is still, a, is still a concern and there's lots of discussions about how to um, attract new workers, how to retain um, existing workers, um, how to build you know, careers in that. There's a lot of schools right now actually developing programs on um, senior housing and training in senior housing. Boston University is about to launch one uh, in the fall of uh, 21. 
So um, Washington State University has them, USD. So there's a lot of interest in trying to to support staffing and and training of, of workers for the senior housing because it's a growth industry and we're going to need it. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a lot of wonderful people uh, working in the industry that that I've had the opportunity to meet. Uh, and what a rewarding uh, business to be in. Uh, you, you know, just as you said earlier, uh, hero type work, especially during a pandemic. And there's a lot of things, though, that are making investors really interested in this space. There's a, a lot of tailwinds uh, for senior housing, right? They absolutely are. So, um, you know, if you're a pension fund or something looking to invest in the sector, investing in senior housing offers diversification, right? Um, compared to if you're, if you're looking at real estate alone, it doesn't act the same as office or retail or, or hotels, right? So it does offer diversification. And, you know, this crisis was a health crisis, <laughs> for sure. And that's affected our sector because we're working in, with people's health. In other real estate cycles, like the last one was more of a, of a financial crisis, economic crisis, we did see that seniors housing, because of what is on a different cycle, it's a need-based industry. So it did offer diversification from that because it was driven by different factors than, than just um, other types of real estate. Um, it generally offers a pretty high income stream um, and has pretty strong investment returns using data from NACREF, National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries, that's a mouthful. Um, but I've been tracking investment returns with NACREF for, gosh, for a long time. And on a 10-year basis, NACREF investment returns as of the fourth quarter 2020 were 11.5%. And they had both continued an outsized performance in both appreciation and in income. Now, that has changed you know, recently. That's a 10-year number I gave you, and the more recent numbers aren't as strong as that. But if you look at the long term, I think that there's still a lot of enticement uh, because of that. Yeah. And certainly demographics are great for the industry, especially uh, in the next several years, right? Well, actually, you know, we always talk about baby boomers, right? And the baby boomers will be the future residents, and that's quite the resident yet. The resident today are still the people that were born in the 30s. That's called the silent generation. The baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. So today, in 2021, um, the baby boomer is about 75, the oldest baby boomer. And you really need to be about 80 to 83 to be a, a, a resident of, of seniors housing. But the baby boomers still influence the sector because they influence their parents that are in seniors housing. So they're really important, that especially the adult daughter, who is often the decision maker for her mom who is in assisted living. So that's important. But as we go forward, by the end of the decade, um, you're going to see the baby boomers really have significant um, impact in um, in the in, in the industry and and the industry is trying to figure out what what they want because the baby boomers have not like the greatest generation they have not they are not like the silent generation they're more experimental they're more individual focused they're more they're just different right so so they may not want the same type of housing that their parents have wanted so a lot of uh, survey work is going on to try to figure out exactly what it is that people that people will in fact want. And they're, uh, they tend to be, the, the expectation is, if you, if you look at how baby boomers act now, that they tend to be a little bit more um, action-oriented and they want to make a, a cause-driven and purpose-driven. So that might recreate a different type of housing and care needs than what we currently have. Yeah. One of the things I was surprised at, uh, I'm a baby boomer, and when I, uh, my mother's in a wonderful place, well-run, just really pleased, great people great facility. 
but I was really surprised at the lack of technology in the space. I expected a lot more technology, I guess, you know, as you mentioned at Baby Boomers, we're, we use a lot of technology. Uh, is, is that something that uh, you're seeing around the country? Yeah, so that's another impact of the pandemic. COVID has really accelerated technologies and the innovation of technology in the senior housing and, and also skilled nursing sector. I think probably the most evident piece of that is telehealth. And we saw a lot of use of telehealth during the pandemic so that um, staff members could hook up their residents with doctors or nurses directly. And it was it proved pretty effective in a senior housing setting because you could have a an aide take your blood pressure or um, do other types of tests to, to prevent needing to go into an office to have that done. And then doctors were able to see those results. So telehealth was definitely one case of that. And then just social media and interaction was really pronounced during the pandemic. When you couldn't visit each other, people were using their iPads to visit their family. Or staff, to be more efficient, were taking their notes down on an iPad and then uploading it into some um, bigger system. We saw a lot of technology being used because you couldn't go tour property, so you would do it online, so a virtual tour. So we saw a lot of technology being implemented and brought in, and I think that that's here to stay. We saw the use of robots. 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 Tell me <laughs> being about used. that. Well, there's a robot called Temi, T-E-M-I. Yeah. And it looks like a. <laughs> you have to take pictures. You have to go look at it, but it, it looks like a, almost an iPad on top of a little machine that that moves around, and it can talk to you. It can remind you what to do. It can. Um, you can, you can put any kind of persona on it that you want. And it actually has been proved pretty pretty effectively. <laughs> That's interesting. I probably need a Timmy to help me around. Yeah, we all need one. <laughs> um, how is affordability uh, impacting senior housing? It would seem uh, from the outside looking in at the industry that uh, with the crazy uh, increase in home values, that that would help some more residents be able to afford senior housing. What, what do you really see? Well, definitely home price improvement would affect um, and allow more people to move into senior housing because they often use their home equity to buy senior housing. But we also saw, um, you know, certainly this, this economic recovery since COVID has been um, disparate. And we've seen some parts of our society, parts of our economy thrive through this. If, they, if you had stock, you did pretty well. But if you were, in a, if you were a worker that's been out of work, you're a restaurant worker, a hospitality worker, out of work for a long time, you certainly didn't thrive and you lost income and you lost wealth. So there are certain people that would become more, um, their wealth has gone down a lot during this period and they're gonna have a more difficult time affording senior housing than they had. We did that study last year called the Forgotten Middle. And in the Forgotten Middle, we estimated that there'd be an increase in the number of, of middle-income seniors would grow to about 15 million by the year 2029 from about 7 million. And about over 50% of that group couldn't afford senior housing. So it's a, it's a big issue. We, it's, we call it the forgotten middle because the lowest income cohort actually is being tracked and taken care of by the government through some types of subsidies, Medicare, Medicaid, or Medicaid and, and other subsidies. And the highest income group is able to afford today's senior housing. But there's this big group, the forgotten middle, that no one's really paying attention to that really need to be watched because it will be a huge crisis, societal crisis, because they'll, 
be forced to spend down their assets to become eligible for Medicaid. And that's not the right solution to take care of this swelling cohort of people in the pandemic when you cause that cohort to swell further. Yeah. We're talking with Beth Mace, Chief Economist uh, with Nick, National Investment Center for Senior Housing and Care. And Beth, I kind of think of you guys as the go-to source to kind of see what's going on in, in these markets, senior housing markets. But uh, tell our audience kind of what is the Nick mission? Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we're a not-for-profit, which surprises a lot of groups. Um, we work to enable access and choice for seniors um, for different types of care and housing options. And we do that by um, providing data, analytics, and then connections to bring together investors and providers. And by creating that platform, um, we create the opportunity to, uh, uh, to uh, develop more senior housing and develop more developers and more investors to be able to support greater growth in the industry. Yeah, and you have a um, event coming up, right? Conference? We do, and we do, we're very excited. Um, it's our, it's actually an in-person event. Um, right. I know. Back to that, we hope. Uh, November 1st to 3rd at the Marriott Marquis in um, in Houston. And, you know, it's going to be great because people will get to see each other again. Last year at our fall conference, we had about 3,500 people that came. So if you're new to the industry, it's a good place to make new connections. And if you're an existing person in the industry, it's going to be great to see each other. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about what deals are happening, what the, what the existing conditions are in the marketplace. And uh, generally, just pretty fun. <laughs> well, good. Well, we should record a show there. <laughs> we should record a show there. You'd be welcome to come. Yeah, well, let's do it. Well, uh, um, Beth, thanks for being on the show. Great information as usual. I'm glad to see that uh, the um, senior housing market is, is coming back. We certainly is an important sector and a great sector for people to invest in and be in. And uh, thanks for what you guys do. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on the show. All right. And if you'd like to uh, know more, visit their website. It's nicknic.org. Uh, let us know what you think. Thank you for sharing the show with others. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. If you appreciate the show, think about the opportunity to do business or refer business to our sponsors. Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies. For incredible commercial agent training, visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Core.green. Use ION technology to create a safer environment for your real estate. Visit core.green. For more commercial real estate intel, forecasts, and strategies, visit CREshow.com.